Hey, it's Bill Simmons, and the Ringer NFL Show has you covered for all your pro football needs. Sunday night, get Michael Lombardi and Tate Frazier's rapid reactions on GM Street. On Tuesdays, the Ringer NFL Show with Robert Mays, Kevin Clark, and regular guest Danny Kelly break down all the biggest angles on Wednesday. GM Street again on Thursdays. Clark, Mays, and Danny are back at it again. And on Friday, GM Street's Friday Focus gives you all the insight you need for gambling and everything else. Don't forget about my podcast, too, on Mondays. The BS Podcast, Cousin Sal and I playing Guest Alliance. More importantly, The Ringer NFL Show. Subscribe right now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, guys? It's your girl, WWE Superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE Superstar Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening to The Masked Man Show. And you are listening to The Masked Man Show. And you're listening to The Masked Man Show. Welcome to the Masked Man Show. I'm David Shoemaker, uh, your host, Dave Schilling. Big Daddy Dave Schilling is here as always. I'm still a but father. To, this week, we <laughs> thank you, thank goodness. We've also got a phone call later on with the King of Sad Style, Dan St. Germain. Uh, but before we get to that, the one and only Open Mike Eagle. How are you doing, I'm man? I'm doing wonderful. Really? Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I feel really happy. I like to, to hear when people say they're doing wonderful instead of okay or fine. And he's, yeah. it's like such an authentic delivery too yeah i bought it sort of touched um mike longtime wrestling fan yeah big huge long since childhood yep long as i can remember and i think it's safe to say this was the greatest weekend of your wrestling fan yes all the all the things that i can remember were incredible (laughs) who was your favorite growing up oh i had you know what i had weird favorites like sid vicious was my favorite there you go Mm. okay and i realized recently what why he never got as big as he was supposed to because he never cut his hair you think that was it? Yeah, his 90s mullet, way too long. That was a, that was, I mean, there was a lot of bad hair back yeah. in, in the 80s and the 90s. But he that like, that like white guy perm mullet was yeah. really specific. It's it was because it was curly. Yeah. I think, because like Mike Awesome had a mullet and he was over in ECW. They and almost had to make that his gimmick though. The, yeah. Because he <laughs> looked so like insane. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because when Sid in his early days, uh, you know, I saw him wrestle in Memphis and stuff as like the master, bl- what was it? Master Blaster? Well, I don't yeah. know if he was Matt, but he was he did a lot of like I'm wearing a mask and I'm vaguely Jason and vaguely the Road Warriors, you know, from Road Warrior or whatever it um and I always thought that was weird when I first realized it because he had like a good look and it was mm-hmm. like, why would you put this guy under a mask? But yeah, he just kind of looks like he always just sort of looked like a like a baby face with the wrong body or yeah. something, you know? Yep. Lord yeah. Humongous. Yeah. Lord Humongous. Uh, Lord Humongous. Yeah, but I didn't I never wanted to cheer for him personally because he looked so deranged. Because he tried to stab you with a pair of scissors. Well, be honest. It was it was when he uh, turned his back on Hulk Hogan at the Royal Rumble <laughs> in 1992. Well, you know, I missed a lot of him in WWF. I grew up watching him in WCW. Yeah, and he yeah. was just incredible there. Like yeah. he was just really huge and really uh, he had a lot of mobility and he power bombed people, which was something nobody was doing. Yeah, he looked. He was a real bad. Yeah, I think it was just him and Vader who was I, who were doing the power bomb. Weirdly, had a, I've seen a lot of Sid Vicious this week. So I, I ended up. For so I was like looking at random YouTube video botches, mm. and there was one match where like somebody didn't sell, a jobber didn't sell the power bomb like he didn't go upright, so Sid just like kicked him over and over again, and it was <laughs> really rough. 
And then also was watching randomly on the network last night was watching one of those countdown shows and they were talking about the Beach Blast mini movie. Oh yeah, Do you with guys the, remember with no. the, with the little person and yeah, uh, the little, exploding a little, boat. A little person in a shark outfit, what? but it was like Sting and um WCW era Sting and Bull, British Bulldog were like f- facing off against Sid and Vader, but they did a movie ahead of it where they were like Sid and Vader tried to like bomb their boat. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully everyone survived. It was kind of a dark time when Flair was out of WCW. Oh, is this when they like when they cut his hair like right around? Oh, this is when he was in WWF. This is when he was in WWF yeah, and they just didn't know what to do without Ric Flair. I don't know why we're talking about I know why we're talking about Sid Vicious. He yeah, was a great he was one of the greats of all time. I but we have stuff blame. to talk about this week. <laughs> yeah, you could say that again. We could, I could just list the things that we should talk about and our time would be up. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um so let's get right into it. Um, should we start with the, the with the Rumble or with NXT? This is always the, this is always the tough part. Let's start with NXT. Let's go in chronological order. Okay, a lot of cool things happened in NXT, uh, but the last two matches are the things we need to talk My about. My goodness, Adam Cole versus Aleister Black, uh, no holds barred match. Is that the technical term? Extreme rules. Extreme match. rules match. That is the WWE approved term. Um, wow, what a match! It was great. Actually, we can talk about them together. There was that, and then there was there was uh, the world title or the NXT title match. Yeah, which I personally loved way more. The Even title match. I thought they were both good. I thought the title match maybe was more incredible. drama in the title match versus like a spot heavy yeah. hardcore match. Exactly. It, this is, it's, it's funny because this, we get these. I mean, every time there's a big NXT show, it's like, well, they can't top the last one, and they figure. I mean, they, obviously, they've, they've not all been one better than the last, but we've had so many of these shows where it's like, I don't know how. WWE can run a real pay-per-view the next night. This is, they, they just got, I mean, they just got roasted by their own developmental league. This is not one that I thought was going to reach those levels. Sometimes, to be fair, sometimes being on a great NXT card elevates your perception of a match, and sometimes uh, it can't even contain the greatness of the match. I think that, I, I agree with you, Mike. The main event was uh, a match that we'll be talking about forever. And I think that the Extreme Rules match was really, really exceptional and will be on a lot of year-end lists. But it was, I think, to me, it was just, it was a little bit, I was so caught up in the moment when I walked out and I was just like, that is the greatest thing ever. Also, I'm the biggest Aleister Blackmark ever. Mm. But um, anyway, uh, talk, talk, talk. Who, who I don't agents know. these matches? Do we know? Who agents NXT know. matches? I don't know. I don't know specifically. I know that there are certain people who are involved from a developmental level. I yeah. don't know if they then agent the matches at the pay-per-view or if Triple H is kind of doing everything. That's, you know, it's um, funny. Or the guy, guys in the ring, too. I mean, yeah. for, uh, listen, I don't think they call it in the ring. They're not calling it in the ring, but sure. they might. I mean, they, they, they they're do. They're producing something. their own matches, maybe. I mean, I, it's hard to watch that main event and not think that Johnny Gargano was like the the guy who, you know, composed that symphony. Just because well, you've seen if you've seen him wrestle before WWE, I mean, if you, he's he's a he's a maestro. Man. Yeah. But there's something going on with the communication, even with the production truck. Like when he's doing that blank face sell uh-huh. they are right on him like, yeah they know what's coming so like there's 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 good bottom-up communication i guess happening with if they're agenting themselves but i feel like somebody else might be doing it and i wonder why they can't do main roster shows i, I think it's really related to triple h having more of a say mm-hmm. in how the well, show is not only not than only the finishes and how the matches are laid out but also how the show is produced and the editing and the camera work it's all subtly different it's yeah. different enough that it's, you know, it's it, the main roster pales in comparison sometimes. Yeah. Well, speak, I mean, speaking of the main roster, both Cole and Almas 
turned up in the in the rumble, and we'll get to that later. I don't think we could say either of them passed uh, the Randy Orton test, which was my. Someone tweeted at me and said, "Oh, uh, I don't think Adam Cole passed the Randy Orton <laughs> test." I'm like, "Well, Randy Orton's gonna be retired." My, my test <laughs> is like, matter. I want to see every developmental guy just stand next to Randy Orton in the ring before I say like, "Oh, he's gonna be good." Oh. Now the interesting thing about, I mean, about if we're gonna talk about guys' heights and stuff, obviously that's that's an old metric. The average height has come down a lot since I started using it, but. Johnny Gargano was straight up. I mean, the 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 you know, Mar, Mar, I mean, the the announced team was calling it, just calling him Daniel Bryan throughout the match. They're just like, look at this little undersized underdog. Look at him try, mm-hmm. um, which is, uh, I think, the right look for him. Uh, you know, I've, I think I've, I'm on the record saying if he were six inches taller, he'd be he could be you know Steve Austin, like he'd be huge for WWE. Um, but. I, I like that they're actually booking him like that just because it gives me a little bit of hope that they'll that they have an idea for how they could use him on the main roster. But they're so good at doing that in NXT. And sure. then when those characters are called up to the main roster, they don't tell those stories again. Either they think, well, you know, we've told the story before or they just kind of portray them as goofs. Like Bailey is a perfect example of a character that works yeah. so well in that small environment well, of NXT. I, I don't, I, this is not a defense of what they've done. I think with Bailey, I, I think we said it at the time, the pro, I mean, my, my problem with it is that they, they needed to sort of rerun her NXT journey on the main roster for her to show up and then just to be like, oh, she's tried all these years. She's tried so hard. Like kids aren't going back and watching NXT episodes to understand. Um, so it, it, I don't think it really had the weight that they hoped it would. Um, that said, Gargano's, you know, they're using his like real life history before wrestling. And I don't know if that'll play either. But Candice LeRae did make her her first appearance along with, we should say, War Machine, Ricochet and uh, EC3, who were all sitting in the front row. Um, she got involved. Uh, I think that, I mean, I, we talk, I talked about Gargano. I think that, I mean, he's fantastic. And whether mm-hmm. he's going to be, you know, the 205 Live champ into perpetuity, or if they'll figure out a way to use him on the main roster, I, I hope they will. Almost is crazy good. Yeah. I don't know what happened that he's like, I mean, this is, again, a positive thing about NXT, but it seems like he's gotten better. He's like become a great indie wrestler over the past six months. And, you know, it's like he maybe he was trying too hard to be a WWE wrestler for the first part of his career. But he, I did not expect that match out of him. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is specifically, but uh, ever since he got Zelina Vega as his heater, he's, he's shown me a lot more than I ever saw from him when he was kind of floundering in the mid card in NXT. I mean, since he's turned heel. I think there's a sense of urgency to his work where mm-hmm. it's like one of the, he's like one of those no wasted motion guys. Yeah. Now. Like everything looks like it's with the intent to win the match. Yeah. And I really feel like it just elevates the drama of everything he's doing. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like, like it's not a, it, it's clearly not a shoot, but there is like this, it does feel like there's this incredible truth to the storyline of, mm-hmm. you know, in like getting a manager and getting his head on straight and turning heel. But it's like, yeah, he just, but he actually is a lot better, it seems like. Yeah. Maybe I'm just a mark. I, think, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think you're 100% right, though, that he makes you believe that what is happening in the match matters to him. Right. And that's 
a lost art. Unfortunately, there are a lot of guys who just go out there and they mug for the camera and they make jokes and, and they have catchphrases, but they never make yeah. you believe that this is the most important thing to them in the entire world. Yeah, he's a guy that even if you haven't been watching his entire storyline, and I've missed a lot because I don't watch a lot of NXT week to week. I basically just see the takeovers. Mm-hmm. But seeing the difference now he works now versus how he used to work, it's all like all the, the entire storyline is contained in how he's working. Yep. He looks like the kind of guy that if like, if I lose this match, this all falls apart for me. Yeah. yeah. And that's in like every strike. Well, I mean, I am the rumble aside, although he had a nice showing in it. I thought I am more you know, convinced than ever that he's going to have an incredible career. I think he passed the Randy Orton test with flying colors. I mean, he's a little bit undersized, but yes, he looked, he looked, he looked at, at play. He was, he was, looked, looked like he fit in the ring. It's, it's sometimes not just about the size, in my opinion. Yeah. Now, granted, this is your, this is your game. <laughs> it's my made up metric. <laughs> but so you can say whatever you want. I apply something a little bit more intangible, which is just the star power. Mm-hmm. Sure, you might be a small person. Daniel Bryan is is smaller than most, but he had a, a charisma and a gravitas and, and a, a way that he carried himself that said, "I'm a star." So yeah. it was fine that he was smaller. Yeah, yeah. And they're, and putting him with Zelina Vega was a great move because she's about three and a half feet tall and makes him look real <laughs> legit. Exactly. Speaking of the main roster, I mean, Alistair Black and Adam Cole, I think, made, made their stake their claim to just future stardom. And Cole's a little is not a big guy either, but that that's a booking issue. That's not a. I mean, I don't think I don't he's have a any small issue guy with, with a big man's head, though. Yeah, and he I has think a that's big be a ass problem. head. Dude. It might be a problem. <laughs> Every time I see a promotional photo of him, I'm like, did they just stick his head on another person's body? Because it doesn't match. <laughs> oh my god! I was I, I randomly we ended up googling pictures of uh, or you know coming across pictures of when Gargano and Drew Galloway, Drew McIntyre were a tag team. Oh no! And it it looks like. I'd like a father son photo like shoot take or something your kid like to that. Work yeah. <laughs> like exactly. like uh, Alexa Bliss and Braun Strowman in the mix match challenge. <laughs> yeah, it's great though. I have no I have no problem. I mean, Alistair Black uh, to me is like he's ready. Uh, they can leave him in NXT for as long as they want. They got to find the right moment to bring him up, and they got to make sure they don't Bray Wyatt him or whatever. But he's he is he looks good. See, I feel the the uh, that way about Adam Cole. Really, I mean, he's he's a he's a finished package. Yeah, he's. A character, he has a gimmick, he has a catchphrase. I I think he could go on to SmackDown right now and tear it up with Kevin Owens or whoever it is that they're gonna program him with program him with that yeah. is. Do you think they have to have any hard and fast rules about how they distinguish who's gonna be in two oh five live and who's gonna be on the main roster? Because certainly it's not size, right? it's a really interesting conversation going forward. And we, this, this is as good a time as any to talk about 205 Live. They got a new general manager and rock, the former rock star spud, now Drake Maverick. He did not get the pop he deserved. Although, who knows, I mean, who, how many people were paying attention to him on TNA? The people that were paying attention were, would constantly rank him as like one of the top two or three performers in the company, even when he was just like a comedy, a mostly comedy X Division performer. Uh, but his stuff with EC3 was fantastic. He's just an incredibly, t- he's one of those guys that you're just like, you know, if only he were born with Rick Rude's body, he would be the biggest wrestling star in the world. What does he do well? I've missed all of that. Well, he's a really good worker, but okay. he's got one of those. I don't think it's any accident that they brought him in immediately following Enzo Amore's dismissal because he's got one of, he's got that indescribable charisma mm-hmm. that it's just like, I mean, you j- like if he's doing a, like a character thing or he's like working, you know, he's like just interacting with people, whether he's like cutting promos, whether he's doing the sort of hosting thing, he's just got it. Okay. So 
Yeah, there's a deficiency in that division for those sorts of guys. Well, now we have presumably Rey Mysterio Jr. There's a lot of rumors that he's going to be working there. He's denied that he's coming back full time, but we'll see. We'll see. If yeah. they can ante up some money to get him on some 205. I mean, they have to make some decisions about whether or not 205 Live is going to keep going in the form that it's in. They're trying to make it a touring show. And some of that, I mean, you've seen them sort of like, you know, randomly assigned gold dust over there a little bit, you know. Nia like Jax putting, was a referee on the tour. Yeah, I mean, they've they've done some some different things to try to get people going. I mean, I would rather them just like get small crowds but run small venues, you know, like find a way to make it work and just yeah. let it thrive. But, those, those, those shows on the tour, they were small venues and they did well. Yeah, but like Ricochet is now a WWE employee and he could, you know, be the king of the division. No pun no intended. Pun intended. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, they're making a lot of moves that, that are interesting. Um, but I think you're right. I mean, they got to figure out a way, they got to figure out a way to re- to get a little bit of star power there. But I don't think, you know, assigning Ciampa and Gargano to the 205 Live is going to really help it boost it that much. Like those guys got to make it. And- this is the problem, man, is we're talking about we need star power on this show. But anytime you say, well, let's put Finn Balor on there. Let's put uh, Gargano on there. Let's put Rey Mysterio on there. Let's put Adam Cole on there. And then it's like, oh, that's a step down for those guys. Yeah. Why would you do that? So it's, who are you going to put on there I that mean, can check those boxes? It's tough. Yeah. It's almost, they just need to be running like, I mean, I don't know if this is, I don't know if I really believe this. One solution would be to really run just like three shows without weight divisions set, but really just three different sizes of performers. You know, mm. just have SmackDown be like the Kevin Owens sized people or Sami Zayn sized people, and then you know have like a low, have a smaller, more, and just kind of run it as. Oh my God, it's basically what it is already. Yeah, yeah. it's true. It but then Randy Orton me. comes out, and it's really bizarre that Randy Orton's not like working like an Andre the Giant style because he's <laughs> so much bigger than everybody. Right. Else. Um, but yeah. Anyway, uh, the two hundred five live. Hopefully, the, I mean the the future seems bright right now. It was a good weekend for the cruiserweight and women's divisions in WWE. Um, let's jump right to the rumble, I guess. The 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 women's rumble surprisingly main event of the show. I think when it when we were sitting there, David and I watched together, and they when we realized the men's rumble was coming on, everybody was shook. Yeah. One because I think, you know, we all started fantasy booking Ronda Rousey or whatever was going to happen. But also, it just sort of like took a little bit of the air out of the men's rumble. We were like, oh, they, it's just not, it doesn't matter, like whatever. Somehow they put on, in my humble opinion, the best men's rumble that I can remember. Quite some time, for sure. I mean, since I've been writing about wrestling, for sure, I feel like. Um, and then and then managed to, if the women's rumble wasn't, I mean, there's a lot of metrics that you could pull out there. It wasn't like a better rumble, but it was the hype was still there. Like every, like I thought the era was going to be out of the room. Everyone's going to be exhausted. It was a really, really awesome rumble too. And they saved Rousey for the, you know, after for the post show, which was a good move. Lots of people are mad about that. Lots of people are mad about Rousey's appearance that she was a little bit, she smiled too much or she, yeah, was I'm a little bit that too guy. <laughs> it was, it was whack. It yeah, was but totally it was totally whack, but it was like so close to not being whack. It was not even close to being not whack. It was all, all she fully did was whack. Out. Fully whack. Like okay. ever, like even her appearing at the time she did, all of that was whack. No, 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 no. I think it was better for her not to be in the match. Right. I thought it would be, would have been a huge mistake to have her win the match. Right. She's not ready. Yeah. She's definitely not ready. Uh, apparently, when she's done with this movie, she's going back to the performance center to do more training. So she's not going to be working raw 
every week or something like that. Well, it was surprisingly not on Raw this week, which was just a video package. She's back in Columbia doing that movie. Yeah. But there were just aesthetic things that didn't work for that presentation. The jacket was too big. It was way too big. I love that she is such a big Piper Mark. He's one of my favorites too, but it sends the audience a weird message when you are supposed to be super tough and the baddest woman on the planet and you're wearing this jacket that's four sizes too big for you. Sure. It makes you look like a child. Yeah. Uh, well, so does standing next to Stephanie, weirdly. Well, sure, because Stephanie is huge. Yeah. I mean, not fat, but like she's she's tall. very tall also, and very also muscular. smiling uncontrollably makes you look like a child as well. Yeah. You yeah. just it's, can't hold the joy but it's like it's a. We're all we all want people who are excited to be there. Sure, you just can't act too excited. I guess you're still playing a character, and the character of Ronda Rousey, in my mind, is not happy-go-lucky Bailey-esque. Right. Like, oh wow, finally I'm living my dream of being a professional wrestler. It's I'm a badass. It's supposed to be Sonya Deville. Yeah, you know, like scary. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it'll be. I mean, Sonya Deville. Thankfully, got a little bit of a run before the the real MMA right. fighter showed up on the main <laughs> roster. Shayna Baszler, I think I'm sure will be part of Ronda Rousey's gimmick at some point going forward. So she's a little bit safe from that uh, from from any kind of bad fate. Um, let's let's talk about the Women's Rumble just a little bit. We got a lot of a lot of surprise entrants. I mean, we knew that we were going to get at least just looking at it. We knew that we were going to get like ten surprises, be they NXT or you know legends. We ended up getting a whole lot of legends. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna run through here, run run down the list to see. Lita was the first one that came out. She looked great. She looked fantastic. Still, still the worst moonsault in the business. <sighs> I thought it was worse than usual because she almost <laughs> died. Were you in the room when, yeah. when it happened? No, no. It looked, it looked, I was like, I gotta close my eyes. But that she's but, dying. But that was part of that's basically part of Lita's gimmick. Sure. Was like, let me do a moonsault where my head almost touches the floor every time. Yeah, no vertical. Yeah. Back <laughs> Not at all. Top zero. zero Some, someone said in the room. It might have been Dan. It might have been uh, Skylar Aston. Somebody said, uh, wow, she's really moving like Matt Hardy now. <laughs> I think I said that. <laughs> she, she got, yeah, she got Matt Hardy's wooden legs in the divorce, apparently. It seems like it. The, uh, yes, it was... Uh, yeah, that, but but it was great to see her. Yeah, um, she wore the timeout shirt, which apparently she did awesome. not get approval for. Cool. Do you think anybody who works for WWE knows what that means? That's so funny. Stephanie does. Oh, I guess so. Um, we got Molly Holly, who looked fantastic. Yeah, she was. Amazing. She can still She's go. Absolutely ageless. Yeah. Um, Although I, I tweeted during the thing that I think she's a more impressive 40-year-old than Tom Brady and got a lot of flack for that. Um, <laughs> Molly Holly might be the best version of Bailey. Mm. Oh, wow. If Molly Holly came around now and yeah. had that gimmick, she would have pulled it off. She's really great. Um, Michelle McCool, Vicky Guerrero, uh, Kelly Kelly. Tori Wilson. Jacqueline, Tori Wilson. Uh, Beth Phoenix, who, I mean, Beth... Beth looked incredible. She's a genetic freak. She could be wrestling right now, and I'm kind of upset that she's not. And also in that category, both Bellas and Trish Stratus. I mean, the Bella, the Bella twins are not that far removed from their active careers. Um, I mean, Trish, of all of the people in the Rumble, and I, I did a phone call with Dan St. Germain that I think will be running at the end of this show, but there, you know, it, it, there, there is a chasm between the work rate of the Divas era and, you know, the yeah. contemporary women's wrestling scene. Uh, I think that goes without saying. That said, Trish looked like, I mean, Trish could just join the roster now, even at her, whatever old she is, 42 or whatever, Trish, and be yeah. totally fine. Trish and Beth Phoenix would fit in just fine in this era. Uh, 
And it makes me want Trish to come back for WrestleMania and work with Sasha Banks. Yeah. Because they had a they had a real chemistry when they were working in the Rumble. Well, let's talk about WrestleMania. And, and Sasha Banks in particular had an interview this week where she was not didn't seem too excited that Ronda Rousey was there. Finally, the finally women's wrestling has reached the heights of men's wrestling where every year we're going to complain about the celebrity taking up a main event <laughs> spot at WrestleMania. I, I think that's all kayfabe. That's it's all being worked. Be. Yeah, because everyone's be. doing it. I think Nia Sasha Jax is doing everybody. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think in particular, Sasha has figured out that if she just sort of embraces her petty side in interviews, then she gets a lot of attention. Yeah. What's the deal with Corey Graves and her suddenly having... Uh, an issue where Corey Graves like cannot screen? say anything positive about her at Corey's all. Corey's got that thing with a couple of the men. He had it with Enzo, and uh, there's a couple of guys on the men's side. And I think that Elias, he just, uh, yeah, I think he just adopted her. And it's a, gr- it's a really cool look for Corey when it's, you know, most of the time when it's deployed correctly because it's like it's not just a heel hating baby faces. It's just like I personally don't like this person. I don't know what the origin of it is. I'm sure there's I, something I I'm think missing. that's the issue with it for me is I don't know what the origin is. So it just sounds yeah. like he's being mean. Like it just sounds like he's, he's picking on one person. Well, I think it's because that's the story they're telling. Yeah. The story they're telling is, you know, she has historically been a dastardly nefarious character. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Well, he, he was he the one that said, if you've got a back, Sasha's got a yeah. knife or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And she throws out Bailey. And so there's there's all this stuff that's percolating with her potentially turning heel. She if, comes in and challenges Asuka on Raw. Who knows? Yeah. Well, OK, let's talk about that then. We got uh, I mean, you were fantasy booking Trish Stratus into WrestleMania. I think the main two matches, we know the four players, right? We have Asuka, Ronda Rousey and then the champions presumably are going to be Alexa Bliss and Charlotte, although Alexa has an Elimination Chamber match coming up and Charlotte will defend at some point. What's your prediction for how WrestleMania is going to shake out? In terms of... Well, because Rousey, I guess, Asuka gets to pick who she's fighting. Mm-hmm. And they've, they've, they've gone, they went out of their way for at least 48 hours to not actually address that on screen. I mean, to not have her pick. So if Asuka picks Charlotte and wins that championship, does that mean she's on SmackDown? I believe so. I believe that's a brand switch, yeah. which is sort of what happened back when they used to do this gimmick, right? Uh, yeah. I find it hard to believe at just at the at the very base that I think it's going to be Oscar Charlotte. Because, I think it has to be. Because I think that Rousey needs Raw. I mean, Raw needs Rousey in the run-up to WrestleMania, right? So to have that, that would be the right place for her. And also, I think, I don't think it's time for Rousey Charlotte yet. I think if Rousey's really going to be under contract for a minute, then like, let's let her get good before she does that that way if she fights then it can be rousey alexa or whoever and she and rousey can have a relative squash well i mean not a you know squash squash but like it's not gonna it doesn't there's no expectation of a 20 minute classic one of the the rumors going around now is that she's not going to challenge for any of the belts that she's going to do a tag match with a a mixed tag with a, a male wrestler against stephanie and triple h and they're trying to get the rock well, that's been the rumor for a couple of years. Is that a real thing? Yeah. It's back around. All right. I well, think the torch back is everything I said. That's really strange. Well, well, that makes some sense as to why they're not telling us what they're doing yet. I think they don't know. Yeah. Mm. I think they don't know what they have yet. I think they've seen her do some stuff. They need her to then come back into the performance center after this movie and assess, can she work a singles match? Can she work a singles match with Alexa Bliss and Alexa's relative ability in the ring? Can she step up to the plate and wrestle Charlotte? What it? What can she do? It yeah, it, she, yeah. Go ahead. It, I feel like it makes it a really questionable decision then to bring her out when they did. If they don't know what they're doing with her yeah. just yet. Well, that was the moment. I mean, it, the rumble is the time where you start teasing these things, and mm-hmm. I agree. It's weird that they don't have a plan. I mean, I guess that 
they probably have three plans. And right. just that's like, why she said hello to everyone. <laughs> True. So they got some shot for the video package, no matter who she wrestles. Um, that's a good call. And it's going to be huge for WWE. I mean, Ramona Shelburne was notably sitting in the in the crowd right there in the front. She did the Rousey interview for ESPN. The, yeah, and now we got, I mean, it, it almost feels old hat. But you, you mean, remember how excited we were when Brock Lesnar and Beatle were on SportsCenter announcing he was re-signing a couple years ago? I mean, it was like, this is huge for mainstream crossover attention. I think that's why they did it. I think they did it because they knew they were going to get a lot of press coverage, and they were going to get a lot of social media attention. So let's just bring her out, see what the crowd thinks, yeah. and go from there. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, she said that this is her job now. She's, this is what she's, you know, for a few years, this is what she's going to, you know, commit herself to. And I guess we'll see. That's your obligation to say that, you know, when you get hired. But um, obviously having having her around would be a, 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 just a great thing for wrestling in general. Um is there anything else from the Women's Rumble that we need to touch on before I get out of here? Do you want to talk about Sasha Banks jumping onto her head on Raw? <laughs> uh, she's uh, she's really good at selling. She did great on that. I'm impressed. Best wrestler in the world. Best female wrestler in the world, you guys. Sasha Banks? Oh, yeah. I Tweet at me, I text, nerds. I, I was texting with some <laughs> some guys about this. If, if wrestling were real and I somehow found myself in the job, of, or if wrestling were treated like a real sport and I was like a sports center talking head, you know, just like going over highlights, I could spend a day and a half on Sasha doing that run outside, jump outside the ring and kind of landing on her head. I still don't know how much of that was deliberate. She was clearly like slow, like like running slowly to set up this move and the point was for her to get kicked in the head. Right. Yeah. But the point can't have been for her to like have tripped on the rope and gone headfirst into the floor. Dude, I don't know what the point was. That's <laughs> Sasha Banks has certainly claimed that part of Lita's gimmick that she's that she makes us think she's going to die in every single match. <laughs> yeah, but when you have you have guys like Mick Foley saying, "Hey, don't do that anymore." People who know the wrestling business and how the physics of this stuff works should probably stop. <laughs> Probably yeah. cut that out of her repertoire. That's that's true. It's, I mean, coming from the guy who did the elbow drop onto the concrete every WCW, week. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a. It that's, just had to have a new hip installed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, man. We should all get new hips for just for you know journalistic purposes. I'm going to see what these wrestlers are going through. Okay, it's better than training to be a wrestler. I think. All right, so we go to the men's rumble. I don't even know where to begin. It was bonkers. Uh, the beginning was really interesting in that they found a lot of Gaga to do and like weird mm -hmm. like segments where Elias is going to sing or they're going to have um, Heath Slater get beat up for a while and people are taking powders and laying underneath the ring. Uh, I, I know that some people find that to be obnoxious, but I like I like when the rumble starts with a little bit of levity and then it builds to the seriousness. The, the big problem for me with this match uh, was just the middle felt mm -hmm. a little saggy. I think I could see the people we were watching the show with getting tired. I was getting tired. It started to, to just get monotonous after a while. And I don't remember this clearly, but was did anybody have the big diesel spot where they came in and cleared out a bunch of people? They cleared out before uh, Elias came in, but that was just Corbin running, like getting eliminated and then nailing. And then hurting everybody. Yeah, and then they hurting were everybody. Um, I don't think anybody like had that many eliminations though uh, Cena probably did Reigns probably did the, the usual suspects Bray, spread out over Bray Shinsuke and uh, Cena all each had three and Roman had four 
Yeah, so I, you know that's one of the things that's usually like an exciting spot is it well, somebody it was, comes through. It was and interesting kills because it. they gave Nia Jax the sort of like you can, who's how are they going to eliminate her spot in the women's rumble, and the, you know they they were sort of faced with divvying these spots up a little bit because right. when Pritchard was on our show, he said we you know there's like six spots, you know we just got to figure out what order to put them in, and they kind of had to break them up. I actually think that freed the men's rumble because there wasn't that kind of like, you know there weren't all of those moments even Kofi's annual you know, escape from elimination was like hilarious and awesome, but it wasn't some gymnastic triumph. Mm -hmm. Unlike uh, the uh, Naomi one, which was on some level. Yeah. Naomi kind of got that, got that spot, even yeah. though that's Kofi's gimmick and he, he kept it going. Um, so I mean, I'm just going to run down to some of the names here. Finn Balor, obviously second in entrant hadn't had the performance of the night by whatever, you know, standards you want to set. He was in the ring for just under an hour, was in the final four. By that final four was, well, we'll talk about that later. Um, I thought Rusev looked really good too. Rusev, I actually drew number one in our party pool and I was really <laughs> upset until Rusev came out and then I was like, you know what? I'm good. I'm just, I'm just going to ride with Rusev. I don't care what happens. And that crowd was rabid for him. They were there for And they were for not sure. happy when he got thrown out. No, no. And he's now the number one contender to the U.S. title, which is going to be a really weird. It's going to be a very interesting little little feud on it's SmackDown. It's going to be bad for Bobby Roode is what it's, it's going to be. It's going to be very that's, bad that's for Bobby Roode. That's, that's what I'm thinking, right? Yeah. Because Bobby Roode is, Bobby Roode should never have been a baby face, but I understand why he is. Maybe this is going to be how, maybe we're going to like double go towards turn. a double turn. Yeah, yeah. because it's, he's, he isn't, he is far and away the second most over person in that match. Yep. You know what Bobby Roode's problem is? You take off the robe, he looks like a gym teacher. <laughs> and there's nothing glorious about that goatee and that haircut, man. You yeah. Gotta do something. I mean, I like the short hair better than the long hair, but the long hair would at least fit the gimmick a yes. little bit better. Yes. Um, he doesn't have the swagger that a Ric Flair or Rick Rude had. He always seems a little bit, I mean, Rude is the better comparison just because of the short hair. We've seen, you know, the short hair and the mustache or whatever, but it's, yeah. If he went mustache, it would be better. But yeah. the full stepdad beard, yeah. it's not good. Yeah, I, not I agree. And he's not that comfortable in the robe. I mean, the robe is fine. It's a wrestling, it's an old school wrestling thing. But it, it's, he's not, he doesn't strut like Ric Flair. It's not, yeah. the magic of Ric Flair is that he somehow was comfortable in a ridiculous robe. He and he was still the baddest cool. man in the world, <laughs> yeah. you know? Uh, I would I would say that in that match, He's the third most over guy. Counting the mm. referee? Or no, Aiden counting Aiden English, English <laughs> who's also very over. Yeah, when Aiden came out in the Rumble uh, to his own music, it it was, everyone was really confused. Yeah. 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 Very disorienting. <laughs> um, oh, we talked about Elias. He, got, he had 26 minutes in there. He is, uh, I mean, we can talk about Raw or whatever. I don't know there's much to say, except he continues to be one of the most over guys in the business, too. He is. People love that guy. This is a, an interesting time for WWE because there is this bubbling up like middle of the card mm -hmm. and people are really into these acts and it's a pivotal time for them in that if they don't do it right, mm -hmm. if they don't push Elias properly, if they don't do the right thing with, with uh, Rusev and Aiden English, if they don't figure out who's going to challenge the Usos next, a lot of these like potentially huge superstar yeah. characters could fall apart. Well, obviously they've got, I mean, they have, they make their decisions based on what they think is going to be the best marketing for, I mean, for on, on a pay-per-view by pay-per-view basis. 
but this would be a, this is the right, I agree with you. And this is, I feel like this is the right time to start messing with the formula a little bit. Let the Usos headline a SmackDown pay-per-view take the belt. I mean, if, if, if Brock's going to stick around and get the belt off of him, so you can have a Brock Lesnar match, but then have, you know, Elias in a title match and have it not feel like, like a, you know, a given that he's going to lose. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of that time in like 2000, when yes. Jericho and Angle and Benoit Smackdown and six. yeah, all those SmackDown guys and Raw and, and Edge, that mm-hmm. is, sorry, and Edge, they're all these guys who are beginning to find themselves. And there was, I think, No Mercy 2000 was the show where it was Triple H versus Jericho and Benoit versus Austin or something like that, uh-huh. where like they both... Kind of got, t- they did a tag match. There was like a like a test yeah. main event run for those guys. Yeah, I mean they've this this is a this is a big moment. You're absolutely right. Um, Bray Wyatt had a pretty good run in the match. I don't know if there's anything worth saying about him. Sami Zayn had a very brief uh, brief appearance, but uh, storyline the storyline part was interesting. He and Owens beat up uh, Perfect Ten to get in there, and Ty Dillinger and and uh, and then. Sammy just took the spot. And how does that work exactly? Uh, I, mean, does, I was mad about that. How at does the somebody moment. not do that every year? <laughs> just murder somebody. Yeah, they need to take number thirty. <laughs> they, need to, they need to officially announce that the Rumble's being contested under Klingon rules. <laughs> that if you if you beat the beat up the dude, you get his spot. Um, that would be the be- and that would be so much fun if half of the rumble was watching gorilla position and where like everybody's really scared or like people coming in with like security entourages so they don't get beat up people sprinting to the ring oh man um, but that was cool I guess the point of Sammy being in there um, if if SmackDown is any indication was it so that they both lost basically both yeah. Sammy and KO lost on the same card um, I I guess we haven't talked about the the WWE title match, but but uh, AJ Styles retained as we predicted. Yeah, it wasn't anything to write home about. It was an opening match. It was fine. Yeah, yeah. I liked it. You know, and it was I a liked, good match though. Yeah, it was I fine. It, it was fine. I liked it better than I liked AJ and Kevin's matches when they were oh yeah over the US title. Uh-huh. I felt like Sammy really adds something when he like. He gets all grimy in the corner and starts like mashing AJ's face, and I don't know. There, there's some emotional gravitas that Sammy can bring yeah. to the matches. Sometimes I, I haven't seen a great Kevin Owens AJ Styles match. Yet. I have, yeah, just haven't. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think we've seen some really good ones, and I'm sure we'll see better ones as time goes on. But the, but I mean, all three of those guys are, you know, wrestling savants in their own way. None of those guys have any business being in WWE. I mean, we would have said that five years ago. You know, there's no way, like, and the fact that they've achieved this much shows how great they are. Yeah. Um, so anytime you can put three minds like that together, you're going to get something, Hope you're usually going to get something good. Um, Nakamura came in at 14 and obviously ended up winning the the show. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Uh, who else do we need to talk about? Jinder Mahal didn't have much of a run. The hurricane was uh, was a surprise entry. Oh yeah, the hur- okay. So we got uh, yeah. So the, the, I mean, Seth Rollins made his double appearance and was in for twenty two minutes. Uh, kudos to that guy. But the hurricane and Rey Mysterio uh, were our two big surprise returns of the night. Someone on Reddit made the excellent point that it was a huge missed opportunity to not put Molly Holly and the Hurricane together. Oh yeah, Mighty Molly, great gimmick. Was that a thing? I don't remember. She was that yeah. She all. was a Hurricane sidekick. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Get a little cape and stuff. 
It's it's really funny to look back and you're like, they were just floundering trying to figure out gimmicks for women in WWE for so long. And they finally realized you just have to make them wrestlers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, kind of. But yeah, the hurricane was really exciting, right? And he lasted for 45 seconds. John Mm -hmm. Cena tossed him. I thought the hurricane, honestly, I don't, I was not been paying attention. The hurricane like had like a terrible car wreck or motorcycle wreck at some point in the past, right? I'm not aware of that. Maybe I'm just imagining this. I don't visit hurricanefans.net. I very thought that often. he I think that he got some kind of nerve damage or something. This is, this is a, why he the, couldn't take bumps. Yeah. Anyway. Um, who knows? I could be making that up. Um, but uh Rey Mysterio looked like he was twenty five. <laughs> he looked amazing. What how do, what, what's going on with that guy? I don't know. Are you happy to see him? Very. I I am, yes. Does he pass the Randy Orton test, you <laughs> asshole? <laughs> He's the only, he was the only little guy in the business. It made sense. You can have some small guy. I mean, and it's fine to be sure. I'm not saying you're not allowed to wrestle if you're not a certain (laughs) height. I just don't know what I think of somebody fully until I see them in the, in the main, you know, on the, on Raw or on SmackDown standing next to the establishment. When AJ Styles got there, I remember the first moment he had with Reigns and he tried to put Reigns in the Styles Clash and like, Reigns' head was almost touching the ground. I'm like, this is not what I thought this would look like at all. But they managed to, you know, they managed to get him over. So there's hope. No, I think there's absolutely hope. And I think there's a lot of, there's there's definitely a class of guys where size doesn't matter. You know, I mean, you can, AJ or Finn or whatever. I mean, you can just sort of, they they fit into the Shawn Michaels mold in your head a little bit. I think it's, you know, I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. But there definitely have been moments where like, you know, you're looking at Owens and, and Orton staring each other down and you realize the size disparity and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I understand what people are talking about, you know, but it's fine. It works. That's why you book Owens is like a merciless badass, even though that's not really his character. Uh, you just sort of like make up the difference in, in little subtle ways. But Rey Mysterio looked great. He did... 45619s, if I tabulated it correctly. <laughs> he did a double one on, I think it must have been Reigns and, and Cena or something like that. We haven't even talked about Cena calling the match like he didn't, like a weird there rookie no who was summarizing. On. There was two different moments. The 619 was one where he just looked over at Orton on camera and was just like, make sure you fall to the left or something. And then there was another part at the at in-game when it was Orton and Roman facing off and then uh, Nakamura and Finn Balor like came and attacked them both, and he was just yelling for Nakamura to start the start the move. He was just yelling Shinsuke, Shinsuke now, now. Like, and there's someone had a clip of it, and it's just like really unsettling. I I honestly think it's a two pronged situation here. Number one, I think he's always done. This. Really <laughs> no, 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 he, he definitely has. Yeah. He's always been just very brazen with his calls for whatever reason. Number two, he doesn't give a shit. Yeah, I mean, he does care because he loves the business and he loves WWE sure. and he's trying really hard to put these guys over. But I also, it's 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 got to be a thing where he's just like, you know what? I'm John Cena. Yeah. What are they going to do? Fire me? Like, it's just his <laughs> idea of being a, a, a ring general. Yeah, <laughs> just, right. Well, it's, it's like, just yelling he gets a little bit, he can get a little bit cornier, he, you know, just like The Rock, like everybody else, like your moves become a little bit more outsized and silly when you come back to do them just because it's like you're singing the oldies or whatever. But he's doing that with calling the match. <laughs> it's like, it's, yeah. Ah, John Cena's his, nostalgia calls. Yeah, you remember when he did the, like, see you later fourth wall thing when he was feuding, when he was doing the Roman Reigns promo? This is, like, the real see you later fourth wall is I'm just going to, like, tell everyone what's happening in the match out loud during the match. <laughs> I guess never, when, the, when the young bucks do it, we all applaud. Exactly, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
he's he's definitely playing with the form. I gotta remember or talk about the SummerSlam Baron Corbin match where he was just like, I'm gonna bury this guy. Yeah. And that's okay. And he just did it. Um, yeah, speaking of burials, when he came out, I think I tweeted this too. We were, I forgot who was in the ring, but it was like Nakamura and Balor and and uh, it might, Elias and one other person. And I was like, oh, this is the future of the company right here in the ring. And then John Cena's music hit and I was just like, all right, back to the drawing board. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, with Cena, I still, and you know, call me stubborn, but especially in the matches with him this weekend and this week, when I look at him, all I can see is the wasted potential of them never having turned him heel. Cause it just, the, the emotional gravity of that and, and, and the way that he would have really been able to put over young faces. Yeah. I feel like it's just a missed opportunity forever. What do you think about that? His match against Balor on raw? I mean, I felt, and that's, and that's, it's like he, in the, in those moments, he takes on almost a heel persona. Yeah. Yeah. They just don't ever let him pull the trigger all the way. Right. And all I can think about is, man, how awesome would that be? Well, uh, Jonathan Coachman, who made his return last week on Raw 25, but is now a part of the Raw announced team. R.I.P. Booker. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to miss that guy. A little bit. Just like as, as bad as he was, I'm going to miss that. Yeah. If there were a role for like a fifth guy in the booth and Booker could just like just get on the mic for, you know, like, like five second increments a few times. Just cut to him in the back. It's like, Booker, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm all right, man. Yeah. I I can't believe that Finn Balor, he is dastardly. But Coachman, I think, if I remember correctly, was really pushing the John Cena's turning heel angle during the match on Raw, not turning heel specifically, but, but he got to have this like outsider's perspective. And he's like, I don't understand why the fans are booing this guy. What's happened since I left? Right. And Cena was really internalizing it or externalizing it or whatever. Whatever, and was like doing the. I mean, he was doing some real heel turn shtick, like staring at his hands and right. stuff. I mean, like it was crazy. I think there is a thing in WWE now where they've decided there are a couple guys who were never going to turn heel, but it's fine if they act heelish in the match. Yeah, Roman Reigns and John Cena definitely have matches where they're playing heel and they're they're leading the dance and they're doing all that stuff and they're they're getting away with murder and. uh it actually has made their characters, I think, more interesting on some level. I mean, Final Four of the Rumble, that seemed like a heel-face dynamic with Reigns and Cena on one side and Balor and Shizuka. I mean, and that's how the crowd responded. The, the re- I mean, you're right. The best reference would, would have was Jericho and, and Benoit versus Stone Cold and Triple H when they when Stone Cold was heel. And they, yeah. And, uh, I mean, it really felt like a moment. Like, it, And of all the great booking decisions they made on Sunday, that was a really, I mean, it's not a subtle one, but that was a really good one. You know, it, it felt like you're looking at the passing of the guard right but here. But you know what that points to is the lack of strong heels right now, too, that you yeah. have to have two of your baby faces play the spoiler. Well, the point is always made by people that are not me, people that are WWE apologists on some level, that if... We turn them heel, they'll be cool, and That's they'll true. be cheered again. So what's the point? Why don't we just let them be themselves and get the heat? I Roman think, is the biggest heel he could be right now. Yeah. I just think in terms of the emotional investment of the fans, like we're all just pent up. Yeah. Because totally we true. have this heat that we want to give. And if you let us give it, maybe there are strong hot heels for two months. Yeah. But that's enough to elevate some guys, too. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't – it it, it doesn't – I think for as reluctant as WWE has been to turn Cena, it would not surprise me if Cena was like, if I'm going to, you know, retire at some point in the not too distant future, like I want to be heel. Yeah. You know, just give the fans what they want. He know, like he, he there's money in it. Yeah. Even yeah. if they cheer for him that he's been waiting for that cheer for 10 years, you know, right. 
Um, but yeah, it was, it was, uh, we talked, I think, was it uh, last week where we were talking about how Elias looked really good, even losing to John Cena. He got that moment on, on raw, um, Finn Balor doesn't need anybody's pat on the back, but between his performance in the Rumble and his match against Cena on Raw, even in a losing effort, he he's looks incredible right now, and he seems like he's really riding high. I I'm worried about the excess smiling that's happened since they put the club <laughs> with him. Though I do think he looks yeah. great right now. Yeah, but. Oh, every time he comes out and he does his entrance and he's smiling a little too much, I, I mm. he's got like the heel smile, right? Yeah, he's got kind of like a Joker esque smile. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't relax you. It makes you feel uncomfortable. It sure. makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, rumors going on right now that he's going that they're lining up Finn versus Miz for the IC title at WrestleMania. I, that's much better than what I'd heard a couple of weeks ago, which was Braun Strowman versus the Miz. Like Ooh. I don't want to see that squash match. Yeah. Now I'm hearing Braun Strowman might be Ronda Rousey's partner at WrestleMania. Oh, I thought you were going to say Ronda Rousey versus Braun Strowman. That would be a match. <laughs> I would pay a lot of money for that match. I think you'd take Rousey in that if, that, if it's a shoot, for sure. She's got him. Um, I disagree, but that's great. Uh, can't, Choke we didn't him out. Even, Choke did, him out, Drew Maker. Did we mention Candice LeRae when we were talking about NXT? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just we were talking about intergender matches that she... I, she came to mind. So I guess we've probably seen the last of that with yeah, her. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we had the final four on dur- during the Rumble. Um, everybody, I think, came out of that better than they were before. Mm-hmm. Just it, it's, I said, I tweeted this after the match, but no matter what you think about Roman Reigns, the fact that Pete, when you watch, when you see him in the end game of any kind of match, you are so sure that WWE is going to put him over is an incredibly powerful tool for WWE. Right. I mean, it's when, when he lost the when he lost the um, universal the, the universal title qualifying match to Finn Balor way back in the day. It seemed like there was no way that was going to happen. Um, you know, every time that he's putting every time Roman Reigns loses when he lost the Miz either. I mean, every time he loses, it feels like the most shocking thing. When he lost to the to Sheamus, remember? Yeah, Sheamus cashed in Money in the Bank and won the belt. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's really incredible, and to use that. You know, to put over Nakamura uh, was just, a, I mean, a really cool move. Um, and and good for him. I mean, Cena, we've always said, Cena is the guy that, like, your favorite wrestler has to stand next to to kind of get over in WWE. Mm-hmm. But Roman is the, Roman has so, is more powerful even, even than Cena and just, like, being able to lose to someone and make you feel like you've, like, it's the most er- well-earned win ever. I don't <laughs> know what it is. something monumental. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's absolutely nuts. Um, and we, I guess we, there's, there were other matches that happened that night. There was a WWE Universal title match where uh, Braun Str- I mean, Brock Lesnar beat Braun Strowman and Kane. Mm. Uh, uh, there was a... The uh, only takeaway from that match would be the knee to the face of Brock Lesnar. Oh, the boy. Shoot. The <laughs> Followed by the... the- some really brutal punches. Yikes. Yes. Um, Braun Strowman is now, of, of all of the things that he's flipped over, uh, <laughs> there is nothing he's done that's more impressive than just getting punched in the face by Brock Lesnar and continuing the match and yeah. working the next night and everything else. By the time that match was over, I was just, I was totally perplexed because it was not good. But it was not good because two of the guys might have been concussed from the <laughs> legitimate blows. Well, it didn't need to be good. No, and, you didn't. know, it, it didn't was, need to happen. Probably that's 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 probably true too. I agree with that. Um, uh, there's nothing else to really talk about. Bobby Roode beat Mojo Rowley. That was apparently supposed to be Adam Cole's spot in like coming out in Mojo's place, but they bumped him to the Rumble. Take 
take whatever you want from that. He was supposed to compete for the U.S. title. He was supposed to be the surprise, yeah, the surprise opponent for the U.S. But he was going to lose real fast, so that would have been kind of lame. Okay, I see. Um, And then we have new tag team champions, um, which is not a terrible shock, I don't think. Yeah, Jason Jordan is legitimately hurt, so. Oh, is he? Yeah. What happened to him? It's a leg issue, knee or something. Um, Which is why he barely worked the match. Yeah. Uh, what, what am I forgetting to talk about? Oh, well, okay. Let me run run down some news of the week. If you didn't see Mix Match Challenge this week, you should see it just for Braun Strowman and Alexa Bliss's finisher. They <laughs> okay. they did the they did the uh, the Jimmy Snuka Andre the Giant spot of like jumping off the shoulders. It was really, I mean, simple but great. Um, and then we mentioned Rockstar Spud. We the one of the kind of undercurrents that would be the biggest news of the week in any other week was that we've sort of had this like now TNA takeover of WWE going crazy. on. EC3 is there and he's gonna you know get his run in NXT and and he's he's ready. I mean he could be on the main roster. He's, I didn't love his promo, but yeah, but still he's fine. he's a talent. Uh, I kind of hate his face. Dra- <laughs> yeah, really oh, yeah he's face got a hateable too. face, yeah. but that's a that's a gift. You're you right. Know? You're right. Uh, Drake Maverick is Rockstar Spud's name, right? It's only he could pull off that name. I have Masterful faith in him. Masterful porn star naming. And yes, and uh, Jeremy Borash has apparently been signed by WWE. He's incredible. Yeah, going Mr. to NXT. TNA. Yeah, um, he was there from day one, down since day one ish. I understand uh, a lot of times when wrestling fans or ever will complain that like WWE just hires like Hollywood writers that don't understand wrestling, and so there's some legitimacy to that. And sometimes the, you know it's not always true. Um, I mean, it's not always valid, but. Uh, hiring Jeremy hi, hi, WWE hiring Borash is just such a just a good sign that you would that they would act, that they would be interested in acquiring one of the great minds of wrestling that they don't already employ. And and know? it's it's proof that we're in an, finally in an era where they've stopped like having to like indie wash guys once they come out of TNA. They yeah. used to make them have this weird grace period that go to Japan or do something. Now that they can take people straight out of TNA, I think that makes it a little better for the people in the business. Yeah, I mean, I think with I think it was Joe Samoa Joe that kind of broke the broke the you know the whatever the barrier on that and he was just like well do you want to sell t-shirts tonight or in three months when you get my new name over or whatever and I think that there's just yeah. Money conquers all. Samoa Joe and AJ Styles and changed was, the business. And when, when Rockstar Spud came out on 205 Live, they were like, this is Drake Maverick, previously known as Rockstar Spud, of course. You know, they like, you acknowledge it. And that's important. This yeah. is the real world that we all know about. Yeah. I, I want to briefly touch on SmackDown's graphics. I haven't seen, I've heard about there's new graphics. And okay. I saw SmackDown and it didn't they, register to me. Yes. So the first instance of this was when Shinsuke comes out. Philadelphia, by that point, was dead, by the way. Fourth show in four nights. You can't do this. I get, I mean, it's so much, it's 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 worth it. It's worth it for WrestleMania only because so many people are paying lots of, this is their vacation. They're paying money to fly there. They're paying for the hotel, make it a whole week. But even at WrestleMania, man, the the Raw and SmackDown are the, the crowds, the Raw, the, the Raw crowd now is not even, I've talked about this before. It's not, it's not like, Raw after Mania, the crowd rebels. It, the crowd is just so punchy by that point. I mean, yeah. it's just a bunch of. I mean, I'm one of them. Diehard marks that haven't slept enough. You know? I think they. I think they do it to save production costs. Oh, they do. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that's like the cheap. main reason. It's, right? it's a good idea for for that. But but anyway, back to what I was trying to say about SmackDown. Then, as Shinsuke is doing one of his classic in ring poses. The word rock star oh, flies no. Oh, no, across no. the screen oh, no. in big bright red letters. <laughs> 
like someone is trolling me. It's like very this, it feels like a, a rib. And then the Usos thing. That was horrible. The yeah. horrible. I do remember that. That was offensive. Where almost. the the jail cell doors appeared God, that before was them. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I liked the little backstage promo because it had some production value and some art to it. I didn't necessarily need the words, but I get you put the words on the screen. It's kind of like a thing people do on YouTube videos yeah. and stuff now. Oh my God. But the prison cell was a step too far because now what you've done is you've taken the sports out of sports entertainment and you've just said, this is a big fucking joke. This is, I mean, they do, they, they, at least it's a weekly show, right? So like they don't, they don't have to, they don't have to, they workshop things in real life. I mean, real time on the air. Hopefully they know what this did not work. There's one, one person at this table. I'm looking at you, Mike Uh has actually like made videos has has been a producer of visual content. Sure, yeah. What? How many times do you like? Does someone pitch you an idea, or do you come up with an idea, and, and then like the next day you're like, "That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Well, I can't believe that was said out loud." All the time, but you know, I have the luxury of never having to do this live. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, they get a bad idea and they try it. I just hope they know. I hope they know it was a bad idea because that was really bad. It that was jail terrible. Cell thing. What? Like. There was no, it didn't add anything to the promo. It just made me uncomfortable. It looked cheap. Well, not only did it not add anything, we're talking about that graphic now. That was the best promo of the Usos crew. I mean, that was one of the best promos I've ever seen in the modern WWE in the past, you know, whatever. That was incredible promo. And they did, I mean, they're so good right now that just to have anything to distract from that. I mean, I guess we're talking about it. I don't know. No, no. We should not, not be talking about it. <laughs> all right. All right. What, is there anything else you wanted to hit before we get out of here? Uh, Carmella attempted to cash in and failed. Loved it. A lot of people on Twitter are asking us to comment on the inability of the referee and the timekeeper to understand the rules of the cash in. <laughs> yeah. At this point, that is the gimmick. Like, we've talked about this 30 times already. Oh, like, yeah. It's like that the confusion upon seeing the briefcase is just so inherently part of it now. It adds to the tension. The guy's like, what? What do I do with this thing? <laughs> yeah. Are there is there underwear in here? <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 a really. I wonder what would happen if she got like a fake briefcase <laughs> and use that to cash in. Then if she wins, she wins. But if she, you know, no one has to know. If she loses, well, she can be like, this is actually a different briefcase. The, oh, I, I bought this out back. It's one of the bootlegs. On, on the Mixed Match Challenge, the New Day all came out with those little baby briefcases My, to, when they had their match together. There used to be a thing where it's like, the briefcase has a contract in it. Yeah. I don't even think that's kayfabe anymore <laughs> that there's a contract inside the briefcase. Just so you could just buy itself. the one in the at the merch stand. Maybe that's the conversation that the referee and Carmella are having this every is time. He's like, is this a real one? She's like, yes. He's like, do you promise? Like, yes. Okay. <laughs> um, Let me see the certificate of authenticity. Yeah. Uh, so that, I mean, that was cool. I don't know why I was watching that and I just, be, I, I suddenly blossomed into a Carmella fan. She's like, great. I'm, She's I'm, really good. I'm totally, I'm totally in now. I'm yeah. into the screaming too. She was screaming all during the Rumble match. I like that. She's yeah. screaming, trying to get her cash in. I was, I was into it. That's yeah. the kind of stuff that that really reads on television yeah. and makes you say, "Oh, I noticed that person." Right. Um, we talked about TNA. We talked about both Royal Rumbles. We talked about Ronda Rousey. We talked about NXT. Um, all of the, I mean, the, the litany of new WWE signees. We're on the road to WrestleMania now, guys. Mike, before we get out of here, do you have any WrestleMania predictions? What are the What are the matches that you that you uh, can want a fantasy book for us here? Oh boy, fantasy book WrestleMania. or just what do you? I mean, what are we going to see? You know, that's the thing. I, I don't. I mean, I, I, there's nobody I really want to see is the problem for me. Uh, I, I like. Everybody on the roster right now, but nobody really feels special. There's not. There's no common. I feel like 
the last year of pay-per-views, we've seen every dream match yeah. over the last like six to eight months. There's not a lot left to hope for. So well, uh, I'm just hoping that they take the storylines that we know are happening and just build them up and give us good heat and good reason to emotionally invest. It's true. I talked to Dan about this a little bit, uh, which will, I guess, be the next segment. But the but like the the Nakamura AJ match, they could just take them off TV. They could just be like, both of these guys are working out really hard between now and WrestleMania, and we'd be just as excited Do for it like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels for WrestleMania 12 when they kept showing those videos of, like, Bret's training in Calgary and Shawn Michaels is training in San Antonio. Yeah. Um, and then, the, the I mean, are we still, th- is the or is the rumor still that we're going to have Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar? Is that It the, feels like it's more than a rumor. It it's, feels inevitable. It's legitimately going to happen. Are they going to throw a third person in there? Why would they do that? Well, they did it with Seth oh, Rollins like, the last time. I mean, is there going to be a... I mean, it, like, There's no juice to saying, we're doing this match again because we've seen it at a yeah. WrestleMania. Uh, so it wouldn't kill the match to have a third person. It's not going to be like, oh, it's not going to draw as well. It is what it is. So I think you got to go one-on-one for the yeah. big WrestleMania main event. And hell, they, they might have a really good match. Yeah. They, they, had, they had a third of a good one before, yeah, yeah, before, before Rollins. Rollins came out. Yeah. I mean, Lesnar's had the, the, a lot of thirds of good matches in the past year. <laughs> uh, if he can just put it together into one match, <laughs> it'd be great. Uh, before we go, I'm just going to briefly say uh, Kenny Omega lost the uh, oh, WGP yeah. US title and was saved by Kota Ibushi and might be out of the Bullet Club. But the, but now he's 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 in a living relationship. He's back so, with his golden lover. So Kota it's Ibushi. a good it's a trade off, you know. It is. It's re, it's really fantastic that like something that big happened at, at uh, in New Japan. We were all talking about it when the Rumble was starting. Yeah. And then like the Rumble was actually good. Like, yeah. Then, and then we have other things to talk about. I would love to see them do a match made in heaven, match made in hell style oh, New man. Japan pay per view where Kenny and Kota finally get together, and and then you've got like a you know, weird. Racist, ruins it racist some... character <laughs> ruining yeah. it. Um, that would be really fantastic. Yeah, it'd be Cody. Cody What's the next big like New Japan show? I don't. Well, they're going to be here in the not too distant future. Yeah. Right? So Strong Style Evolved is in March. I got my tickets. I didn't get you one. They sold out in twenty minutes. Uh, that's what I heard. Anyway, I will. Uh, I will complain about it and then be happy to watch it home. Um, Mike, this is your time to plug. Oh. Plug stuff. I have an album out called Brick Body Kids Still Daydream. Check that out. And I have a wrestling podcast called Tyson Fights that you can also check out. Both fantastic thanks. endeavors. Um, thanks so much for coming on, man. Thanks for having we me. We got to do this I'm again. A big fan. Yeah, anytime. Um, and Chilling, thank I, you as always. You're welcome. ProWrestlingTees.com, Chicanery t shirt available as always. And I'm on Doughboys this week, the, uh, the, f- the fast food review podcast. I've never heard that podcast. It sounds fantastic. Yeah, it sounds oh, it's, it would be right up your alley. We did Halal Guys. It's great. It's very funny. It should be out on Thursday. That's so great. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, WWE, for putting on a great Royal Rumble card. Two Royal Rumble matches, one Royal Rumble card. Now we can move on to talking about the distinction between the Elimination Chamber match and the Elimination Chamber event. <laughs> um, before we say goodbye, here's a quick phone call. With the King of Sad Style, Dan St. Germain. Call right now. The WCW Hotline. 1-900-909-9900. All right. On the phone right now is none other than the King of Sad Style himself, Dan St. Germain. How you doing, brother? Ooh, that's, I'm trying to get like a flair woo for the King of Sad Style, <laughs> where I break down crying halfway through the woo. Um, which is actually way closer to what Ric Flair is today. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'll let you know when I perfect it. You should. It's just got to be a cross between the woo and the sad whistle sound effect from like morning radio. 
Um, it always like his beginning. His promos now in the beginning, it, it's it, you know in the beginning it's Ric Flair, but by the end it's like the last scene from Of Mice and Men. <laughs> um, we got a little bit of Ric Flair this weekend, but we had a ton of stuff. I, I was I, we should say up front, you've started your own podcast, uh, sort of the the NWO Red to uh, the Masked Man show. Yes, I am the, I'm, I would say sister, but I, that's, that's, uh, that's kind of, I would say that I'm the, uh, you know, second cousin twice removed of this podcast, you know? Well. I'm the Brit Hume to your Sean Hannity. You I are. I would never flatter myself. You are the second cousin that I'm always excited to see at Thanksgiving because I have. Oh, you're too nice. No, just because you're going to say something really offensive and my mom's going to cry. It's going to be great. Um, <laughs> Listen, the, we I, I did, uh, I believe, the inaugural episode of your podcast. We recorded over the weekend. And since that happened, um, there have been five million wrestling things to talk about. Um, we'll try to keep it pretty streamlined here because, uh, you know, I, I, I want to get I want to get the 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 inside the mind of Dan St. Germain. But what for you? I mean, your podcast is called Total F and Mark. So I just wanted to know as as a big wrestling mark, what was your number one markout moment of uh, of Royal Rumble weekend, including NXT, including Raw and SmackDown? If you want, what what was what was the moment for you? I think it. I mean, I think it was what everybody was. Everybody's moment at that party, and it was when Nakamura said, "Come on to Roman Reigns." Yeah, in the middle of that ring. Because it was one of these, here's why it was magical for me, because they they have kind of messed up Nakamura's booking since he's gone to SmackDown. He's had kind of an awkward transition. Uh, this past SmackDown, I thought he was the best on the mic that he's been in, and it's hopeful. But it was almost this weird thing of like, when he said, come on, you remembered all this stuff from Japan, you remembered all this stuff from NXT, and you had this feeling of, hey, it's going to be okay. Like, as a wrestling fan, they're not just gonna like they're they, they're still listening to us in a weird way. That's what it felt like. It felt like the presence of w, a, a benevolent WWE god, uh, and then he won. So yeah, I was pretty excited about. That. I mean, it was. Uh, I mean, it 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 does. It is interesting that there you know in Royal Rumbles in you know the past five years or so, it seems like the Rumble is booked. Um, not to spite the fans like us, but like in spite of the fans like us. And then they, mm -hmm. and then there's always like a, a period of quick course correction when they realize that like everybody's booing whoever they chose. Um, this seems like, you know, this was a year where I, like, I, it, it seems so petty, but like, like you said, we were watching it in a house full of dudes, just total wrestling nerds. And it was the first time I've watched a pay-per-view with other people in recent memory where instead of walking out, ask, trying to re rationalize why WWE did what they did, we are like just walking out talking about our favorite moments of the night. Yeah, it was really one of the best, you know, and, and I almost had a moment that day where, you know, because, you know, I like the main event of SummerSlam, but the whole the event itself was kind of underwhelming. Um, I thought Mania was pretty good last year, but you know, we, you know, before that, the Survivor Series before that, the Rumble before that, the Mania before that, you're, uh, we've been so burned before, uh, burned on these big, uh, big pay-per-views, and the ones that have been really fun for me have been the ones that I haven't expected to be fun, like Hell in the Cell this year, and, and, uh, and events they don't really put a lot of work into, and then the day of the Royal Rumble, I'm like, you know what, this is, because my expectations are so low, this is going to be the rumble that's actually good. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I was like, because I, I because I'm going in thinking it's going to be Roman Reigns or John Cena, and and another reason why I love the Nakamura one is that like. Yes, you know, we all fantasy book about CM Punk or Daniel Bryan coming back, but that's almost like, you know, like hoping the Calvary comes, yeah. you know, and it's it's like how we hoped Kurt Angle, when Kurt Angle came back, he was going to be, you know, the Kurt Angle of, you know, um, you know, the matches that he had with, you know, Benoit and uh, Brock Lesnar back in the day. And he did come back, and it really wasn't like that. I mean, it was so great to see him. But with Nakamura winning, we're like, oh, the answer is here. It's with us. Like, we have a – and with Finn Bauer lasting that long, there's so much talent right now. And I, I was just so happy because, you know, I was watching Raw with a non-wrestling fan on Monday, and I was go, oh, this guy's great. Oh, this guy's great. And he he said to me, he goes, you said, like, every guy is great. And I think he thought that was just because I was, like, a blind WWE fan. But that's not the truth. I mean, I think you and I watched that pay-per-view from, like, where it was, like, Sheamus versus Randy Orton headlining <laughs> um, or Wade Barrett or something. And it was just a lot of stuff you didn't want to see. And we're, we're so lucky right now in that both the WWE guys and the indie guys that they're pushing are really good. Yeah. It's probably the best time it's ever been for a wrestling fan. Talent, talent wise for sure. I mean, I think that, that, you know, you mentioned Brian, you mentioned CM Punk. He was my semi-ironic pick to win, to win the rumble only because as I said on the show last week, I was sort of putting that to bed, putting that bit of marquee uh, fantasy booking part of my soul fully to bed at this point. And he'll probably come mm -hmm. back someday and it'll be a disappointment and whatever else. But um, you know, WWE is up against a lot because they have they have to compete with with fantasy booking, really. I mean, someone uh, and I forgot who it was, so apologies, but someone really smartly said on Twitter last week that if, you know, if Rousey doesn't didn't show up at the Rumble, um, it would we would everybody would be super disappointed and it would be zero percent WWE's fault. They never hinted that she might come. You know, they <laughs> there was there was no implication that she was going to be there, that she was going to wrestle, whatever. Um, and then, but we would all find a way to be disappointed. And the, the men's rumble was, you know, it, I think what it's real, I mean, it had so much great stuff, but the, w one of the most impressive things is it didn't, it, it, there was no CM Punk. There was no Daniel Bryan. The biggest surprise was Rey Mysterio, uh, apologies to the hurricane fans out there. And, you know, a lot of people saw, a lot of people predicted the Nakamura win, and yet, it still felt like it was the best rumble in forever. I mean, it was it was just an incredible it was an incredible night. So, I, you know, congrats to them. Uh, before we get, I mean, I mentioned Ronda Rousey. Um, what was your what was your take on the women's rumble? It was it was good. I mean, I, you know, I thought it was as good as like you know the rumble where where Sheamus won. I thought it was good. I mean, some people complain that you know some of the spots were off, and but the truth is, is you know and. I think we all comment on this is <laughs> there's a huge disparity of talent between divas and and the and female wrestlers, you know. I should say wrestlers, that sounds sexist. Divas and wrestlers. And you know, I mean the one the one thing about that divas revolution or or women's revolution which I I you know, I sometimes it's a little bit seems like too much of a corporate marketing term for WWE is that they are really wrestlers now, so it's it's really hard for, you know, Tori Wilson to, you know, like, you know, like, keep up with somebody like Sasha Banks or Becky Lynch, and even though they're all really good, there's only a couple of people who could carry those type of people. It's very hard to carry somebody in that type of match because there's so much shit going on. Yeah. You know, it's just there's just too much Gaga. Even even with AJ Styles versus 
fun. Even though I like that match, it was less fun than a normal AJ Styles match because, you know, you kind of have to satisfy more than just the normal needs of a wrestling match. Um, so I, uh, I thought that that's, that's something that, that – but also – you know, it was fun too. They couldn't have done it without all those without all those people, and it really made people like Sorry Kane and Ember Moon look that that friggin' good yeah. um, when they came out and just totally killed it. So I, I thought it was good. Um, you know, uh, I have thoughts about the aftermath, but I, you know, I thought the Rumble itself was good, um, and uh, I thought the right person won it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, it was. As far as winners go, like I said, both of the both of the the Rumble winners were, uh, if not predictable, then like you know, both of those people were on the very very short list of of potential winners. Um, and yeah, yet, and yet both matches. I mean, I thought were just really great. The fact that they were, when we saw that the Men's Rumble was going on midway through the show. It really, it felt like. Well, I mean, you know, it 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 obviously upped the ante for the for the Women's Rumble. Um, but it also sort of lowered expectations for the men's rumble. The fact that the men's rumble was so fantastic, and then they were still able to put on a competitive, you know, a, you know, a, a match that 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 you know, if not if it wasn't quite as good, was every bit as exciting for the women's rumble. Um, it was, I mean, it's just a really, really impressive show. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I haven't, I haven't had, I really haven't had that much fun watching a rumble. It may be. It may be. Besides, you know, the the Rumble where Flair won, and and the first one, I feel like that Michaels won. You know, maybe if my fav, maybe my favorite Rumble to watch. Yeah, I rewatched it today, and it held up. I mean, obviously, it's going to take some months and years to really have a, a clear head about it, but it was really, really fantastic. Um, and, yeah. And I, I mean, as far as, I mean, once you start factoring in. You know, ring work, which is not as big of a, a going concern in those early, even like the Michaels era rumbles, um, and and the fact that there wasn't any giant swerve. There, I mean, it was just like just pretty standard booking. I mean, it was it was a really fantastic match. Um, both, yeah, both, both I, matches. I really, I cannot. I can. I, I'm very happy as a wrestling fan. And you know, the great thing about Nakamura too is that. You know, SmackDown needs kind of a surge of talent pushed in right now, or at least some new stuff happening. But it really doesn't matter how the builds of, uh, you know, it, it would be better if there was a better build with Nakamura and AJ, but it kind of doesn't matter what happens in between now and WrestleMania because when they stand in the ring and they look at each other, people are going to go ape shit because they realize, oh, we're excited for the match, not yeah. the preview. You know? Yeah, absolutely like, true. It, it, it's one of those rare scenarios where they could literally just do dumb comedy bits, you know, until then, and you still know that they're going to blow the roof off the place. Sure. I mean, it's smart for WWE now because now they can have a Reigns and Lesnar, you know, main event, and nobody's going to be pissed off in the same way. Oh, well, people will be pissed off, but yeah. <laughs> Before we let you get out of here, do you have any, I mean, were the, were, do you have any other big moments from the weekend from NXT or anything that you wanted to, that you wanted to talk about? Well, you know, I don't want to... Um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that on my podcast. Um, I guess I want to use this last one to just be, if anybody has New Japan tickets, please hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> me and Dan Soder are desperately trying to get in. Do you just message you at DS Germain? Is that the is that the right way to do it? Well, you know, Soder is like a, the something a wrestle guy, and I'm a ringer guy, so hopefully if we uh, 
uh, if we broadcast enough on both podcast networks, we can we can we can be able to go that Sunday. No, but I, I'd love for you guys to check out my podcast. You know, like. Um, the, the the way we'll get at it is, you know, you have uh, you listen you listen to the Mass Man on on Wednesday or Thursday. Well, we're your Sunday morning podcast to listen to if you haven't gotten enough wrestling. Uh, we 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 talk about what happened during the week, but we also are going to do a segment uh, called World's Worst Booking, where we pick the thing. We did one last week with David, where we pick the thing that's going to piss off fans the most. Shoemaker, you had an amazing one with uh, the newest iteration of the NWO. Oh yeah, um, and there's going to be you know. There's gonna be you're gonna have your ringer favorites like shoemakers. You know, you just did last week, and Schilling's gonna be on hopefully later in the month. And also, you know, really fun comedians. We have Sean O'Connor on this week. I think you know Tony Hinchcliffe is coming up. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a good blending of both worlds. And you know, I'd love for you guys to uh, to listen and check it out, and let us know what we can be improved upon. So it, it's you know the, the the tough thing about my job now is that I haven't been able to do the mass man as much. Um, so this is like my way to talk about wrestling because I can do it on the weekend. So if you like me on here, it's just more of me on there. And if you don't like me, well, I don't know what to say. Don't don't listen. I, I don't know what to say to those people either. It seems implausible. Um, Dan, it thank, seems implausible. Thanks so much for calling in, Dan. Uh, thank you, sir. Thank you for uh, for letting me call in. I appreciate it. <laughs> of course. Thanks for taking some time out of your busy day writing for a network sitcom. Well, you know what are you going to do? But yeah, total off and marks on SoundCloud on iTunes. On All Things Comedy Network. Thanks again, man. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you later. Thank you, Dan St. Germain. Thank you, Open Mike Eagle. Moderate thanks to Dave Schilling. Jim, no thanks to you. Apologies to Dean Ambrose. We'll see you back here next week. It's sometimes not just about the size. You know what Bobby Ruth's problem is? You take off the robe, he looks like a gym teacher. <laughs> and there's nothing glorious about that goatee and that haircut.